And for our scripture reading this afternoon, uh, we'll turn to 2 Peter 1. The sermon will be from Song of Solomon's, but I will also read from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'll read into chapter 2 and verse 3. The second epistle of Peter, beginning in chapter 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing that this first knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, 
even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. This far, our scripture reading. Turn again with me, if you will, to Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and we'll read just the verses 5 through 8, which will be our focus here tonight. Verse 5 of Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I am dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon. For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. This far, the reading we just sang together from Psalm 42 as well. It said, Why, O my soul, art thou cast down within me? Why art thou troubled and oppressed with grief? Then it turns and it says, Hope thou in God, the God of thy salvation, hope, and thy God will surely send relief. And we see the Shulamite woman doing something very similar here. Right? She has her, her griefs and her burdens, and yet she's taken them all to the bridegroom, where she knows she'll be understood, where she knows that she will be helped. And so in verse 7, she asks him, Tell me, O you whom I love, where you feed your flock and where you make it rest at noon. This here is a picture of the church, the bride of Christ, who brings their needs to Him, to to the one who understands you, who knows your needs and your cares. And Christ responds in verse 8 with two Directions, which will be our focus then this afternoon. And that is also our theme, Christ's directions for a weary soul. So first, then in verse 8, we see the directions that, that Christ gives us. He answers her questions there in verse 8, and he says, If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock. And feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. Here he he tenderly and lovingly gives us these two simple instructions. Follow and feed. And he comes as as it were in in all our weakness and our frailty. And he says, if you do not know, 
I will guide you in the way. This is not a rebuke to her. This is not uh, in, in shortness or anger, but it is in love and tenderness. And, and what is it that you are coming to Christ with today? He says, if you do not know the way, I will lead you and graciously teach you the way that you should go. And the, the bridegroom here, you, you can again see the love that he has for her in verse 8 where he says, Oh, fairest among women. You know, just like a, a wife and a husband, the wife needs to hear those words from her husband. No one else will do. No one can replace the words from his mouth. And so also for the Christian, there, there's nothing that can replace the words of God to their own soul. And here Christ calls us to himself. And the Shulamite here needed to hear these words from him. And she, she, she cries out of her burdened soul and says, Tell me, O you whom I love. Now the King James is a bit more of a literal translation. It says, Thou whom my soul loveth. Here you can see the, the inner craving of her soul, that it's her whole being. And if, there, if there's one thing that you can feel pressing inside of you, it's that desire, that love that goes out to Christ. There can be so many questions, so many things that we don't understand about ourselves or about our, about our life or about what's happening, about how it really is with my soul. But it seems like there's that one thing that, that seems to burst out of the heart of every believer. And the heavier the burden is, the more it presses you out to the true love of your heart. Tell me, you who my soul loves, the love of your heart will reach out to God. And so what is it that you're looking for? Well, this woman here has two questions, and it, it's where do you feed your flock, and where do you make them rest at noon? And so what is she asking here? And I'll elaborate a little bit more this afternoon of what we began to hear this morning. I mean, there's, there's three basic needs pressing her soul. And the, and the first is that she seems to be under, misunderstood and oppressed even by other Christians. In verse 5, she again, she speaks of the daughters of Jerusalem. She says, I am dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark, because the sun has tanned me. Now, it's helpful here to see that there's, there's three types of people mentioned in this chapter. Because in verse 3, it speaks of the virgins. And these can represent those who live in, in spiritual purity and devotion to Christ. They seem to have the same love, the same desire that this, that this Shulamite woman has. They, they ran together in verse 4. But verse 5 then speaks of the daughters of Jerusalem. Daughters who, who belong to Jerusalem, they, they can be compared to, to confessing members in the church but likely weak believers. They follow and walk in the way and yet do not have the same sight or the same desire 
as the virgins or as a Shulamite woman. They don't seem to understand the Shulamite woman. And she says, don't look at me because I am dark. They were looking at her suspiciously. They were, they were curiously staring at her and questioning her behavior. They, there was even a hint of disdain or, or indignation towards her. As, as they see her walking through her life with, with a burden on her and bow down. It was, a, it was a weathered look to her. And I might even see some inconsistencies in, in her life. And so it's like they're asking, where is your happiness? Where is your loveliness? Where is your apparel, your, your ornaments, your beauty? We don't see it. But she says, don't look upon me because I'm dark. As we said this morning, that the tents were dark. The tents made from goat's hair were dark and plain and unattractive and even dusty. And so she's saying, don't consider it strange what you see on the outside. Don't look for beauty just on the outside because you won't find it. But I know there's something deeper, something lovely like the curtains of Solomon. Inside those black tents, they may hang uh, nice, ornate curtains. And certainly in the palace of Solomon, there would be beautiful tapestries hung on, on the walls. Outside, dark, yes. But there's a loveliness inside. And so often what people see of us is only a dark shadow. They do see the result maybe of the weathering and of the, the wearing of all the toil and the trials and the temptations that we face. But it can add to the burden when we are misunderstood. And instead they look at you in suspicion or even disdain. And sometimes Christians say, why can't you just join in our fun? You may even become the object of their gossip. But their focus seems to be more on the temporal things of their life. But this woman here is seeking for the one who her soul loves. There's a weariness. There's a burden with this life on earth. And so she's misunderstood. She, she can't go along with her, with her light and her frivolous ways. But then secondly, she points out the cause to her burdens. Her blackness comes because of the suffering caused by others. In verse 6, she says, The sun has tanned me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. And so here's the, the third type of people mentioned in this chapter, my mother's sons. And, and so they also belong to the church, to the mother, it says, but they are still seen to be enemies of the gospel and of grace and of godliness. And this means that in some way they were persecuting, in some way they were oppressing her. They, they hated her, they were angry at her, and made her work in the vineyard. And persecution here is compared with that scorching heat of the sun, the noonday sun in those hot desert countries. And so it is that those who hate God also have a hatred toward His people. And it may not, not, might not always be obvious, also those who live within the church. But often the worst kind of oppression comes from those even who profess to be religious. And it can be a heavy burden to carry. And working in the vineyard here, 
It, it said that it relates to working in the church, in, in the, the vineyard of God among His people, where, where she works for the very people who are often angry at her, who, who oppose and refile and persecute her. And that's why she is here wearied and weathered. You find yourself also burdened by caring for those around you, even those who willingly forsake God, who turn away from church or from families, members among the flock, and yet a burden to the very people of God. But she's not here looking for any outward adorning, She's not trying to impress these daughters of Jerusalem. She doesn't come to church, as it were, making it seem like everything is going so well for her. But she comes with this burden, and she comes to seek for Christ and for His help. But then we see, thirdly, that her deepest grief is the result of her own shortcomings. In the last line of verse 6, it says, "...but my own vineyard I have not kept." And this appears to be her greatest burden, her own shortcomings, her own neglect of her own graces and gifts and talents. And it's due to the fact of all the diversions, the the busyness, the pressures that are put on her. It made her so busy working in this vineyard that she had no time to keep her own vineyard, to keep her own soul. We can fall into that same trap as well, where we are so busy in our own life, in in either family life or or work life or or church life, uh, that keeps us from tending to our own soul. And if the neglect of our own soul brings blackness, you know, if you do not tend the vineyard, it will overgrow with with weeds and, and, and choke out the fruit. But is the busyness and the pressures of others preventing you from finding time to feed your own soul? Or is it our own neglect and our own spiritual laziness, too busy with other activities of this world to take time for our own soul? Do we find that we are lacking this spiritual maturity that we desire like these daughters of Jerusalem? Or do we find a lack of even receiving much benefit from the Lord's table because we do not prepare ourselves to receive it? Or are we even a hindrance to others? To hear this Shulamite woman resents her own sins and shortcomings, but she acknowledges it, she confesses it, by at the same time showing these others of the dangers of backsliding. Yes, we cannot prevent oppression and persecution or afflictions that come into our life, but the neglect and laziness is often our own fault. But for all these things, there's only but one place to go, and that is to Christ. Because there is no one else to help her here. Her own heart plagues her. Her own brothers, she says, the mother's sons are are persecuting her and the daughters do not understand her. 
but she also fears of going to the wrong place for help. The end of verse 7, it says, For why should I be as one who veils herself by the flocks of your companions? And again, the King James Version translated this way, Why should I be as one that turns aside? This picture of veiling oneself can also be interpreted as turning aside. She, she feels, fears turning aside to any other help, to any other comfort, to any, any other place in this world instead of to Christ himself. But there's only one place to go, in which she, she says, Thou whom my soul lovest, tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you feed your flock and where you make it rest at noon. So these questions that she asks, tell me where you feed your flock so I can feed my soul. Tell me where you make your flock rest so I can find rest for my soul. And that's where Christ answers, if you do not know, Follow the footsteps of the flock and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tent. Here we're back at these instructions. Follow and feed. Children, can you remember those two things? Follow and feed. Follow in the footsteps of the flock. Well, what does that mean? Christ is saying that there's only one way to go. And that's the same way that every Christian in this world has ever had to walk. Because Christ offers us nothing new here, nothing different, no other balm, no other medicine, no no special deliverance just for you. In Jeremiah 6, verse 16, it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. We all look for rest for our souls, just like this woman, rest from our own sins, rest from whatever pressures we face in this world. And Christ says here, follow in the footsteps of the flock. Children, you know that if you go to the countryside and you've seen a, a flock of sheep come walking down the path, you know that they leave footprints in the mud. And if you see those footprints, you can follow them and find out where the flock has gone to. You can find where they are now grazing or, or laying down or by where they're being watered by the, by the river. And Christ here is saying that all God's people are leaving footsteps, footprints that we must follow. You can read all from the beginning of the Bible You can read how Abraham and how Jacob and how Moses and Joseph and Daniel and and David. You hear of Ruth and Rahab and Esther, how, how they all walked following God. You can read in the New Testament of Paul and of Peter and of John and the other disciples. You can hear of the thief on the cross and of Nicodemus and and blind Bartimaeus and of Lydia and how they all walked the same path following the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it says is where where David went to find comfort in his affliction. This is where Asaph walked when he was when he saw how the wicked were prospering. But then he when he went to the house of God, it says then he understood their end. This is where Elijah went when he thought he was the only one left in this world. 
But then the Lord showed him that there were 7,000 others who never bowed the knee to Baal. This is where Hagar found water in the desert when she cried out to God. But children, this is also where your parents and your grandparents have walked. Are you following in their footsteps? This is where we can also read the many biographies of, of, of Christians and of missionaries who have lived and who have died with faith in Jesus Christ. There is only one road. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. There's no other way. And he says, follow this path. Because there's only one flock. There's one faith and one hope and one Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, many have gone this way. The question for us today is, are we following this path? Are we following the footsteps of this flock? This, the portion that we read from, from Second Peter, it told us how that the Word of God is that light that shines in the darkness, that it is the, the more sure word of prophecy whereunto we take, do well to take heed, to, to follow this Word. Because the very next verse, the, the first three Verses we read of the chapter 2, it showed us how Peter warns us of all the false prophets and of the false ways that will lead people astray. This Shulamite woman here was afraid of being led astray, of going aside to, to wrong leaders, to wrong paths. Many have tried to make a new path. And the Bible warns us of the dangers, that there's many false gods, many false comforts, many false securities. But where do these paths lead? Many people have left church because of the pursuit of money or ease or pleasure of some form. Others have left for other teachers, false religions. Even others who call themselves Christians but are, are carving their own path. There are churches that are trying to redefine Scripture to accommodate the changing culture, to try to combine evolution and creation, to try to combine what Scripture teaches with what the culture teaches about, about the different types of marriages that they now promote. But Christ says, follow in the footsteps of the flock, because God's Word will never lead you astray. Be very, very careful in trying to find new ways. Because this is a sure path. This is a, a blessed path. This is where Christ leads His people in green pastures where He makes them lie down beside the still waters. And then He says, when you find that flock, feed beside the shepherd's tents. Feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. In verse 8. And get as close as you can to that shepherd's tent. We notice here that Christ doesn't give her a direct answer how to get rid of all her troubles. But he sends her to the shepherds. He sends us to his word. He sends us to the church. To the main 
means of grace which Christ has instituted for the comfort and the nourishment of your soul, the public worship service, the Word of God that He gives, the sacraments that He provides as He did this morning. This is the Word of God where you find the echo of your soul. When no one else understands you, you find your soul, your soul's need echoed back to you from the Word of God. This is where you find your comfort. This is where you find your strength. And here he says the shepherds, they, they are the servants of God, the pastors, the teachers in the church. They've been commissioned to feed the flock. They've been sent to lead the flock. They have been they, they are held accountable to this task by God for that purpose. And you can take up sermons from hundreds of years old. And you can read them. And you can find how they resonate and as if they were written for you today. This is where God feeds His people all throughout history. That's why Christ had compassion on the multitudes when he looked upon them and saw them as sheep without a shepherd, wandering in the wilderness. And so he says, feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents. Bring your little ones here to feed alongside the mature ones, the lambs and the sheep walking together, feeding in the pasture together. Christ says, if you do not know, this is the special place I've provided for your souls and for the souls of your children. This is the place where he wants to feed and to nourish you. Children, this is where God delights to show you who he is. This is where God delights to speak even to your soul as he did to Samuel and to David. Read your Bibles every day. Study the word of God for your own heart. Do not neglect any of the means that God gives you. Study to understand what the catechisms mean, what they are teaching you from the Scriptures. Learn from other Christians. Children, speak to the elderly people. Ask them how God has led them in the way. Ask them how He has led them all these years. And stay close to the shepherd's tent. It means don't wander away where you can't be seen by others. Don't wander out into this world. These are the means that Christ has given for every suffering and afflicted believer, both young and old. This is where He provides protection as you come together and as you, you associate with each other even during the week. Because wolves are known to go after the straying sheep, after the weak sheep. If you wander from the flock, you become an easy target. And Satan's tactic is to, to create division and to disperse the people. And it can start slowly, one service at a time. Maybe a day here or a day there, you miss the Lord's Day. Starting to use it for something for your own, slowly starving your soul, neglecting your own vineyard. Or you move to online services only instead of in person in the community of God's people. Isolating yourselves from the flock of God. Out of sight of the shepherd and out of the flock's care. 
but also in our own nations, the public education system, and especially the post-secondary education system, is very effective at isolating and separating young hearts from the church. Protect your children from the indoctrination of the public school system. Because in many ways it's designed to separate you from God and from your families. Parents, teach your children. Lead your children. Ground them in the, in the Word of God, in the foundations of Scripture, that they may stand fast. Keep them by the Word of God. Yes, we must go through this word, through this world. But Christ says, do so following the footsteps of the flock and feeding your goats by, beside the shepherd's tents. He says, oh, if you do not know, O fairest among women, it is for the love of his bride that Christ gives the means of grace for your souls and the souls of your children. Hear his heart and love for you. He sends you to the very place. He gives you the very means that He's designed for that specific purpose. Be in His Word, children, day and night, every day of the week, and especially on the Lord's Day. And bring it all to the Lord in prayer. Follow and feed. And you won't go wrong in the end if you follow Him. Amen.